0: Oh, Mike, I was listening to an episode of our podcast, and I was going at 1.5 speed. And <laughs> okay. you and I have very different cadences and speaking styles. We know that. Uh, we've yes. been told that uh, throughout our years of friendship. But at 1.5 speed, man, I sounded like a freak, and you sounded normal. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we need to do is I need to like take an Ambien before we record, and you need to start drinking coffee.
1: Uh, I've never had coffee ever so, I think if I do drink coffee, then I'll probably, like, go way past you.
0: Well, I don't think necessarily. trust me. i I heard it, and it was like listening to <laughs> it was like listening to normal Mike talking to Alvin. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it could be a thing we do that really helps the show. Surprise Mechanics, the only podcast about superheroes. I'm your co-host, Roman, and joining me, as always, is Michael. Greetings, Filmer, Hero. I see you.
1: Greetings, Filmer. Greetings, Hero. I, I see all of you.
0: Mike, I'm extremely, extremely excited to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League.
1: You're, you're not just excited, Roman. You're, like, glistening right now.
0: I am practically
1: glistening like a vampire in the sun. It, it's an excitement sweat.
0: It's truly insane we're here and we've all seen this movie now and it exists in the world uh, but it's also amazing that we got it so relatively quick because this was a fan campaign four years in the making and four years is really not that long of a time to be screaming at at and until we got this it may feel long and it, it is certainly too long but the fact that we even have it now in such a short window is wild and we have a friend to talk about it. We finally found a filmer as big of a filmer as us filmers.
1: F- finally. Just finally.
0: And you know him. You love him. <laughs> it's the one, the only. WASSAM OLA DALLA! Now you're supposed to say something.
2: I'm, I mean, yeah, I just didn't know if that, uh, that intro was... For, I mean, is the music going to stop? <laughs> yeah. Is that just, do we listen to the whole song?
0: Yeah, yeah, just, uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, shut up for, like, uh, about 2, 2.14. Yeah, just, just keep it going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: really trying to get to that four hours. What's your deal? Uh, I'm just a cinephile, man.
2: <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a big DC fan. I, I've read a lot of DC comics, more so than I have Marvel comics, I think.
0: So I think I would agree I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, but I think I read more Marvel, and there's probably some psychology at play there. But uh, that's a thing I'm trying to work on is actually reading more of the stuff that I enjoy. Yeah, that's fair. I want to add some context here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't say any of the three of us are like Snyder guys.
2: No I actually like I'm aggressive. Like, i I think I watched uh I think after watching um Batman versus Superman I texted you why does Zack Snyder hate the things I love
0: <laughs> well and, and so it, uh, the thing is though I would say I do like Batman versus Superman and I think history is already starting to be kind to that movie and it will continue to be kind um because yeah we're not snyder guys I I don't agree with every choice in his DCEU. Uh, I agree, for example, with the chorus of complaints that like a super dark Superman is not the most necessary, but I do like his take on Batman. Uh, And, you know, we talked a lot about the Marvel universe last week, so we're not going to talk too much about it on this episode, but it's kind of impossible to not mention the MCU when talking about the DCEU and Zack Snyder's justice league specifically, because, Uh, The mindset of these movies at their inception was a rebuttal to the MCU instead of an outright competition, meaning they were going to be more director led instead of as like overly produced as Marvel. So they might not fit as cleanly together as the Marvel movies, but they would have like a more distinct voice and style. And uh, somewhere along the way, Warner Brothers executives got cold feet and decided to not do that anymore and just try to outright compete with Marvel. And... I like about the Snyder DCEU that things build off each other in a pretty cohesive way. Like, for example, uh, the destruction of Metropolis and Man of Steel is what inspires Batman to try to kill Superman. And then in Justice League, we see him kind of reckon with that. And I feel like the Snyder movies actually address the human toll of the actions of these heroes more than like the Marvel movies do.
1: It's it's a lot of bubblegum combat and, and fight scenes, right? So like at the end of the day, even though there's like a bunch of concrete that gets like messed up, uh, I I don't feel like I've ever felt like, oh gosh, like these superheroes are also like hurting people in their attempt to save many others.
2: I think the Snyder movies do a slightly better job of reckoning with the the, the human toll and the toll that superheroes and their activities take on the world. But I also think to a certain extent, like they sort of drop it in Justice League. I mean, like, like we don't really see as as much. I mean, like Cyborg's entire story is a little like that, but like we don't we don't. So we don't see as much of it as, like, I mean, in the MCU, they create an entire sort of the Department of Damage Control and set up Tony Stark as a war profiteer. And, like, you. Like- right. And,
0: and we'll definitely, I want to dive into that more later in the episode. So, um, but I think you're right. And I think maybe part of the reason for it not being as front and center in Justice League is because there was just so much other stuff this movie had to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. I also just just don't think, yeah, like there's no time for it to have like, I mean, who are, who are our surrogates for the outside world? Like Jim Gordon and, 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 and uh, uh, basically like Alfred. And, and-
0: <laughs> uh, Well, and, and so before we get too far, and I just wanted to say uh, a, a one last thing about the Snyder adaptations is, um, you know, Whether we like it or not, we're going to be getting these superhero movies until the heat death of the universe. And the one good thing about that is, uh, you know, if you're not a fan of a particular adaptation, you just have to be patient and you're going to get a new one. We're already getting a new Superman now. Uh, So I guess bad news for anyone who thinks Robert Downey Jr. is the only Tony Stark, because just give it some time and there will be a new Tony Stark. So, yeah, I guess just if this isn't for you, that's fine. You know, uh, I, I don't really care. But you'll get you'll get one someday, I'm sure that you're into. Uh, and so I would just suggest you try to sit back and enjoy the absurdity because even being, I would say a moderate fan of Snyder's DCEU, it's insane. <laughs> he takes a yeah. lot of big swings and it's really fun to uh to watch. I actually want to give a shout out to our friend Caleb Grine, who was in our very first episode. He actually said he kind of came around to Snyder's vision in this movie because he accepted the term the the fact that just because it's not like his Superman, meaning the Superman Caleb would want to see, it still is a valid interpretation. And I don't know if this movie is going to move the needle for a lot of people that are Snyder doubters, but I think if you go in with an open mind, or you are just a big DC fan, there might be something in Zack Snyder's Justice League that makes you come around.
2: I, I actually like the Snyder depiction of, of. I know a lot of people complain about the the darkness of the Snyder depiction of Superman, and, and but like I always like when Superman is sort of presented in that light as you know a terrifying godlike alien. Uh, uh, and and I don't think it's even that that dark. Other I than like, I know the studio it, like w- when Whedon took over, they really pushed back against the black suit specifically, thinking the black suit would be like, no, we don't want goth Superman or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, they but let like, the I, eyeliner stay,
0: which they is. They let interesting. the
2: eyeliner stay, and, he, and he, he, if you the one of the Easter eggs is if you look in, in Lois and Clark's apartment in Metropolis, there's a poster for the Crow. In the background.
0: (laughs) Superman loves Elliot Smith. (laughs) Well, what's funny about that, too, is, um, you know, let's just get into the suite. Let's just dive right in. Uh, So to your point, was Sam about um, the studio being too worried about Snyder's vision being too dark, because that was a concern that is well documented from after the fallout of the Batman versus Superman reaction. Uh, The Snyder cut. Has like way more heart than the 2017 movie we got. I was actually really surprised at how much of the most heartfelt and arguably more Joss Whedon esque moments Joss Whedon stripped out.
1: Yeah, I, I have I have a strong feeling that the the 2017 cut of this movie is like, for lack of a better term, is Disneyfied. And know uh, uh, I, d- I, I definitely just, agree it, with that. Yeah, it just feels like there's like you know, there the characterization in the 2017 cut of the film is there's a quip every minute and you know we have to like every moment that we might see somebody's dark side or like the the very human part of dealing dark dark side's
0: not in the 2017 one mike
2: yeah he's uh he's actually the it's just epinal
1: i'm just trying to talk about like the darkness within Not not a stupid comic book character, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. um, But um, the the big thing with the 2017 cut that I just felt ruined the film was that like there's really no time to uh, look at anybody as a character. Mm -hmm. The the moment the moment you see like oh hey Batman has this like you know kind of dark side to him, there's a quip, there's like a turnaround that makes it comedic and. You lose any sort of thought about, like, okay, well, you know, Batman thinks this about Superman, and, uh, you know, there's there's nuance to it. There's no nuance in 2017's Justice League. Just, like, there really doesn't feel like there's much nuance in Marvel movies to me. Once you see something that's, like, somewhat dark or, you know, somewhat different than, like, a theme park, then it immediately pans over to the theme park and is like all happy go lucky again.
2: Are you saying the characters didn't have a lot of life to them?
1: They didn't have any life to them at all.
2: So, so, so like anti life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Snyder is probably making a a really deep statement there then, isn't he? Uh, Yeah, man.
0: So to prepare for this episode, I, I watched the entire trilogy of the Snyder DCEU. If you can even count the 2017 justice league movie as one of those. But I also have been reading uh, Sean O'Connell's book called Release the Snyder Cut. And just the story behind this movie is really fascinating. And we're not going to have time to go over all of the uh, production woes that plagued it. But essentially, even if you don't really care about this kind of stuff, I recommend anyone look it up because it's a really interesting story. And Joss Whedon came in and remade the movie. And I don't fully understand why. I There's some uh, evidence that suggests the studio told him to cut it down, obviously. But, um, like I said, even like some of the most heartfelt moments he cut out and I can't help but think maybe it's pure ego. <laughs> he just like wanted to use as little of the movie as possible because he wanted to make his justice league movie. And I, at the time, you know, they still gave Joss Whedon or I'm sorry, a Zack Snyder directing credit. And I think we all thought maybe he was just being nice, but I think even Joss Whedon was kind of like, uh, you know what? He can have this one.
2: <laughs> Joss Whedon doesn't have a writing credit on this one, on this, side, right. which is uh, which is, and and I I was reading some of the the cast impressions and, and Ray Fisher's um, uh, uh thoughts on on what happened, and one thing that kept coming up was like Joss Whedon's uh, response to even like, for me, picturing Joss Whedon directing Jeremy Irons is hilarious. <laughs> 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 like jeremy irons would be like i don't like this dialogue it's bad and i don't even take notes from robert downey jr that was why joss would whedon i take them to- that, yeah. yeah that was joss whedon saying that why would i take them from you ray fisher or academy award winner jeremy irons
0: <laughs> yeah there's actually there's stories of all of the crew like um so yeah so obviously if people don't know about the ray Fisher thing you should look that up as well but needless to say even joss whedon's disgusting behavior aside he Ray Fisher has every right to be angry just how much Cyborg was butchered uh, in the 2017 movie because Cyborg is one of the best parts of Zack Snyder's Justice League. But there are reports of like every cast member uh, pushing back on Joss Whedon's dialogue, including Jason Momoa, like just straight up refusing to acknowledge a line at
1: one point. (laughs) Like (laughs) Zack Snyder
0: or I'm sorry, Joss Whedon would tell him, I'll say that line and and, uh, Jason Momoa would just stonewall him.
1: I think we should take a step back for a minute because I think we can we can give like a little bit of context uh, for the, the happenings behind the scenes of this film. Um, there, there, in, in 2017, the movie was slated to be released and uh, an unfortunate incident in Snyder's family had him step away from production, which then put uh, Joss Whedon in control. And on top of that, uh, it is now been confirmed by Snyder himself
0: that the studio was pushing against him more than usual. So the personal tragedies, but ultimately, made him walk away. But the studio had started actively uh, pushing against what he wanted to do.
1: And and I, I kind of feel like a lot of these changes uh, that we see in the twenty seventeen cut that you know Joss Whedon engineered uh, th- those are things that I I I can't help but to think it, it's speculation. Though I can't help but to think that the studio is also you know signing off on that or even saying you should do this. And um, that's, I think, also where some of that, like, that feeling that, you know, Justice League doesn't really have that much personality or heart to it for the 2017 cut, uh, because it just feels like a a rip of a a Marvel film. And Joss also has done work on the Marvel side, so he probably stepped up and thought, here's a paycheck, and I've done this shit before, so let's just do it the same way
2: (laughs) yeah i also think joss joss whedon's very much a person who thinks he knows what fans want in terms of like things like that stuck out to me were like uh, like he was really adamant that cyborg at one point had to say booyah like from the Mm -hmm. cartoon teen titans and stuff like that which is just i think whenever you
1: it's not what makes the character that's
2: not being faithful to the character that's being you know beholden to your to your perceived fan base which i think is just a recipe for for not a good movie
0: right joss whedon also famously loves to subvert tropes and uh there's definitely a time and a place for that but uh zach snyder just wasn't really trying to do that in justice league and he was taking it a little more seriously than whedon was because that's the you know all of whedon's stuff has sort of a A flippant air to it and when you're just constantly trying to subvert stuff it's very easy to go down a path of uh, not really holding anything sacred and you definitely don't need to be overly serious when dealing with guys who wear capes and, and punch poor people but like you know you can still take the source material seriously and want to tell a meaningful story without just trying to like get your laugh quota in or whatever was going through his head.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that frustrates me so much about superhero movies and like the current like status quo that they they sit within is that uh, there's a lot of potential for a uh, a fun summer roller coaster romp of a film, but also something that has you know interesting character and human elements to it um, that you know can help us reflect on our lives and stuff around us mm-hmm. but uh it, it's just so surface level that it doesn't even bother uh to to, to think about anything um there, there are no ramifications ever so you know it's just like uh you know do whatever you want it's a superhero movie which like to some end is okay but then at the end of that like okay yeah let's let's also think about it for a minute why not
2: yeah i i mean i also think that that just it, it, even if you don't like the snyder cut if you just compare Snyder's version to Joss Whedon's version of this movie, the, the Snyder version is just a more competent movie. Like, structurally, it flows, the story makes sense. Right. Um. Like, you, you have more motivation.
0: Yeah. And I think it earns its runtime, for sure.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Like, I, I feel like the the 2017 film, um, it moves very quickly. Yeah. Uh, it it, it's, it it feels just really weirdly put together. But then, like, I was honestly a little nervous, or just a little bit like, I don't know if I want to sit through a four hour film. Um, and, and it is I'm, a film. It 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 is a film. It is it four is a hours. Film. Um, <laughs> it 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 does run that time, and I think it deserves that running time. Like you've said, Roman. Um, I after watching it, I think the four hours was you know it, it was it was fine. Um, and the, uh, the, the need to cut it down to two hours was just totally unnecessary. Um, there was so much more that I got out of this movie with the full runtime than without it. And I think that goes a long way to say that like, okay, it's not about how long the movie is or how short it is. It's about, you know, the way the story is presented. It's about the way the characters go through what they do and, uh, you know to 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 trim all that out is just murdering this piece
0: yeah and so not only does it have just way more heart particularly like through cyborg
1: and the flash especially
0: like uh it's just extremely
1: cool this movie is very very cool it is typical Zack Snyder where it's like very stylized. Like yeah. it, it is still awesome. super crazy
2: visually. I liked it a lot, but I mean, especially in the final battle where where you don't have the, the, the artificial sort of sky, it looks a little bit more, more, um, grounded and at times and do, doesn't try to do the, the Marvel movie thing where you have these huge elaborate set pieces. Um, but that sort of detracts from, I think I want to see, you know, I want to see Batman and Superman and stuff. I don't want to see like the, the Russian town sky turning green or blue or whatever it was in this, uh, Whedon cut.
0: Yeah. Well, and something else that's interesting is, uh, so in the Whedon cut, he famously added this like Russian family. That's just meant to be like, uh, example of, uh, the danger of the, as if it wasn't clear from the plot of the movie. And it's, there was a trend where Whedon, uh, reused things, almost beat for beat from Age of Ultron and so this was one of them it was like you know the families in Sokovia now you got a family in Russia I think one of the only things that did work about that in the Whedon cut is when Superman shows up and obviously he could stop Steppenwolf right there but he doesn't because he can hear that this family and other people in the town are in danger and it's to me it's a very good character beat to have Superman be like I'll be right back and go help those people but the Snyder cut does such a better job of showing you that like Superman being there doesn't immediately wipe away the stakes, because it's not just they have to stop Steppenwolf, they have to stop the mother boxes from becoming one and ripping apart the planet, and uh, that is what happens, Superman well, shows it, up, but he's it, too it, it,
2: late Roman, Re- R- I'm sorry, it recreates the planet and it's the oh, unit, Sorry. So, sorry, um, I'm so sorry yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright, let's reset <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but you know, Superman shows up but it's too late, and then Flash has to reverse time, which is like it's criminal he took that like that scene was amazing. And it's insane. Oh, yeah. It's insane. He took some of these like amazing moments and was just like
1: mm, no. <laughs> I, I feel very strongly that this movie like it had stakes to yeah. begin with. Like the the uh 2017 cut, again, like there are, there's such a build-up to the the MacGuffin of the, the the mother boxes and you know the, the concept behind what Steppenwolf is doing. Um it's kinda of there, but it it's still like just kind of brushed over so that we can get to the action. And um between like Superman showing up and then just immediately all of the tension dissipates because okay, he could just like flick one finger and Steppenwolf is done, right? Um I, I, I just kind of feel like the Snyder Cut did such a better job with not only that pacing building up to superman coming back and uh still having stakes with that um that uh also when i like when i watch some other movies in the superhero genre i just don't feel the stakes ever at all um because you just know at the end like you kind of know at the end of snyder cut that things will mostly be okay um it, it it'll like the heroes will win right and uh, I feel like even Infinity War, you know that like okay, yeah, there's gonna be a uh, a turnaround at one point. The heroes will win somehow, or will leave with some kind of silver lining. And uh, I just feel like those movies drop the ball in terms of making me feel like something really is truly at stake. There is real tension. Like, nah, the, the hero's gonna win. Uh, I, Zack Snyder kind of had me there for a few like a few times. Yeah. He did a pretty good job with like okay. This is getting close, or this is like th- they they did it, but you know they're uh they they, they could have done better like I, I feel like I watched that movie and I thought like, oh my gosh if if these people were perfect in that like disnified Marvel light, this would have been uh over and done, and whatever, you know, move on to the next uh big event. but uh no, like there was some serious tension there at the end of the film yeah it's it's not it's not over.
0: Yeah, and because it is Zack Snyder, I would not have been surprised if they just lost. Uh, You know, there is kind of a cliffhanger because the epilogue of this movie and a lot of what's in the epilogue was the only stuff that had to be reshot. You can actually tell uh, if you look at Ben Affleck because he's, he's, uh, he's still, the king still looks good, but he's definitely thinner than when he was playing Batman. Um, And, you know, there's that whole nightmare sequence. And then when Martian Manhunter shows up, um, which I guess was originally supposed to be Green Lantern, but the studio did yeah. have rules still for Snyder and he broke a lot of the rules, but that was one he still did, uh, abide by. Um, and I gotta be honest. So the epilogue in like the nightmare setup, uh, is largely unnecessary, but that might be why I loved it. <laughs> like I, I really want to see Zack Snyder's insane injustice movie. And I absolutely don't blame him for putting that in there because there's a decent chance we'll never get that. Uh, I would say it's it's more likely we never see another Snyder thing again than we get that movie. So like, screw it, put it in. <laughs> you know, just do whatever you want.
1: It was such an interesting moment because, like, uh, f- from my perspective, uh, you you start that scene and you really don't know, you know, when or where you are. It looks like you know everything went to shit. It, it looks like everything failed, um, and then it, it's it it, it kind of reminds me uh and i don't know if this is a stretch but it kind of reminds me of like the the nightmare dreams at the end of like Prince of Darkness uh where there is like oh god what is this and then you have that jump scare of like Bruce waking up in bed one of the things i like about this is how it, again it goes back to nuance um you know Bruce has overcome this um this, this dread of Superman being a, an alien god that could rip him to shreds if he so willed it and uh, has gotten over that uh, need to you know eradicate the threat um, he he's not a threat anymore but there's a part of his brain that still holds on to that um, and and that was very fascinating to see and dive into that as an alternative uh, thing churning in his mind
2: they would have had to have explored sort of batman's feelings towards the other members of the justice league after like if he sees that future he's i don't think you're completely i don't think that it just doesn't make sense of the character to completely absolve him of that sort of paranoia that's sort of inherent in batman's character
0: right and this movie did kind of address that because he says alfred for the first time i'm operating on faith and uh which is you know to go back to what i said earlier of how like These uh, pieces Snyder was laying all built upon one another in a really meaningful way, including how he handled Superman, because at the end of this movie, we finally start getting, I think, the Superman that everyone would have wanted to see from the start, more hopeful, you know, more optimistic. Uh, But obviously we get this huge question mark at the end because then we see Injustice Superman in The Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, In general, how do you guys feel about how Superman was handled in this one?
2: I, I I thought it was good. I, I, you know, I really wish they would have kept the mustache in this one. I, th- I really wish that would have been the swing they took is just keep Henry Cavill's Mission Impossible mustache in this.
0: <laughs> well, what's funny is when I was rewatching, I forgot at the beginning of Man of Steel, he has a beard. <laughs> so, like, they very could have easily just taken out the first scene of, Z- of Joss Whedon's Justice League, where you see him on, like, the cell phone video of the kids, which everyone, like, acknowledges is awful uh and they could have just had him have a beard and do some hand wave away of like oh well his like cells were just being dormant but they weren't dead so he still grew a beard
2: well in in the in the in the superman return storyline he has like long hair in the black suit which is like he could have done that like wanted to do a mullet and they told him no actually
1: well i think (laughs) isn't it true that even if you die your hair continues to grow as you decompose so you know i don't know how true that is but i mean he's also like an He's a Kryptonian, so maybe light.
0: it
2: does. Yeah, for he's them. an immortal yeah. alien.
1: <laughs> well, well, yeah, but like yeah. again, like if we want to bring some gratitude into it, let me let me Google it.
0: But no, I mean to your point too, Mike. It, yeah, they could have very easily just been like, okay, he has a beard. I don't, and like they could have had that would have been a perfect little Joss Whedon quip: the Flash comment on his beard. There we go. Boom. We're moving on.
1: Oh no! It's because uh, the skin shrinks, so it looks longer. Never mind. Oh well, there you go. Wrong. They could have had
0: his skin really shrunken.
1: Yeah, like, he could have been a raisin.
0: Yeah. I also, I was, re- this is talked about in Sean O'Connell's book, um, pa- uh, Paramount, the studio that makes the Mission Impossible movies, was actually okay with shutting down, the director, I should say, of the of the last Mission Impossible movie, was very willing to, like, shut down production and let Henry Cavill shave, and then give him time to grow it back, and while it was still growing back, they could resume shooting and, like, use digital to put the mustache back on essentially and they estimated it would cost three million dollars which is a, a drop in you know the ocean for these studios so they just told warner brothers yeah just give us the three million but at that point the paramount studio head stepped in and said no this is not our problem like we are not gonna pay for any of this like if they wanted you know they have to deal with the mustache it's their problem
1: the mustache was so gosh that was like the, probably the biggest thing i noticed and remember about 2017's cut oh is yeah the, uh, the the really awful cg um and, and like just to think like some poor soul had to sit you know at their at their you know place of work and like oh, I'm i i did the best i can i'm sorry right it
0: like clearly was not done like the effect was not finished and uh like you mentioned earlier mike how this movie came out in 2017 uh Part of the reason they didn't want to delay it anymore is because that was right around the time the merger with ATT was announced. And th- the executives higher up at the company knew they might not be there in a year. So if they waited to release the movie, they wouldn't get their bonus.
1: Cool. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love to, uh, you know, I, 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 I love that art moves so that executives could make. You know, another hundred thousand dollars or another million dollars on top of 000? their already exploded. <laughs> yeah, hundred thousand is not
2: very much for these guys. <laughs> yeah, like
1: uh, just, just the fact that you know, art has to uh, you know move so that uh, executives can make another you know couple million dollars on right. top of their already bloated uh, salaries. Right. Uh, n- hey. No, no bitterness or cynicism here, folks. <laughs> or, or, Mike folks don't buy themselves. <laughs> That's all <I'm> gonna say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and, and so back to Superman, um, I also liked him in this movie. I thought his role was, I wouldn't have minded more of him, but I actually think it was a good call because Superman has essentially had one and a half movies, you know, to, to shine. And so to give these new characters, cause it's important to remember that when this movie came out, this would have been the first time we had seen half the justice league. Uh, or at least, you know, we, they had cameos in Batman vs Superman, but you you guys know what I mean.
2: I, I also think that those, that, that you get a lot of like, I think that stuff like not having Batman and like not having Batman show up in costume until like the third or fourth act and having um, yeah. Superman show up in the last couple acts. I think that, that like, I mean, you have time to do that. So why not like increase the emotional, like um, punch of those moments. So like, I, I, I would have liked to see more Superman because I like Superman, but like I, I, I don't. I, I, I think it was a. I think that was a good decision.
0: Yeah, and to your point too, like that in itself, not having Batman wear the cape for you know a long time is is a swing, and that's that is a, a risk. But I think it shows that Snyder was like taking this seriously, and this is like what superhero fans have wanted from these movies and they try to argue it's what the Marvel movies are doing is like taking this seriously as a mythology right and this felt like the first movie in a very long time that was like putting its money where its mouth was so to speak
1: I, I feel like there's something stronger with the way this movie does these types of moments right like um, there, there's like this building uh, anticipation from seeing Bruce Wayne through the first uh, portions of the film and that anticipation just makes you know the first time he dons the cape the first time that you see Superman uh, the first time that you see a lot of these moments uh, where the characters uh, you know do their thing um, that much more grand where you know if, if it's immediate and it just you know oh that's just how it is it happened then it just doesn't feel like it's as strong mm-hmm. Um It's like the same thing with like pacing in a horror film. I think where uh, if you want the audience to have this awe-inspiring moment with a character or reveal on screen, you can't force it. You have to build anticipation, and if you're not actively building that, then um, it's just not going to land. Even if people say, "Oh yeah, it works," right? eh, It doesn't. No, it doesn't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I think. I think that also. If you one, I think just by the necessity of the studio pushing for the movie to be shorter, you couldn't do something like that. And also, I think that Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman and the Flash to all a certain extent have such a cultural cachet that you didn't have to like build up like you did with like pre Iron Man. Like not as I feel like not as many people would immediately recognize who Iron Man is. But I think that. A lot of the times, and not just in Whedon's version, um, you know, you can just sort of hand wave and be like, yeah, it's Superman. Everybody knows Superman. Yeah. Um, And and you don't need to. (laughs) uh, Yeah. And I think um, Snyder does a good job of sort of establishing each of these characters. I mean, Superman's already had his sort of couple movies to do that but you can sort of see where Batman's head's at. You can see, they, I think they do a much better job of establishing the, I have some problems with how the flash is portrayed in this movie. Um, but like, we see a lot more of the flash and by that nature, we sort of know a little bit more about what he's about other than his dead mom. And they do a lot of, they do a lot of wonder woman stuff. And I, I do like the, I do like the extended scenes of, of Themyscira and stuff. I, I don't love, the Wonder Woman scene at the beginning, but, like, I I, I, I know a lot of people um, enjoyed that.
1: There's a level where I feel like... I mean, I haven't seen Aquaman, nor have I seen Wonder Woman. Oh,
0: you gotta see Aquaman, dude. Talk about a yeah, movie that just good. has an immense respect for your time. Every scene ends with an explosion, and at the end of <laughs> sitting through this two-hour movie, you get to see Julie Andrews' voice a kraken. It's just the gold standard of making me sit
1: through a superhero movie that arguably goes on way too long. But um, what, what I was going to say is even though I haven't seen either of those films, I still feel like I have a very clear understanding of these characters uh, from their mm. screen time in Zach's cut. Uh, whereas like, a- again, like I-, I, 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 I'm afraid to sound like a broken record, but I feel like with, uh, with, with Joss's, it's just like, you-, you know, everyone's like a quip machine. Everybody's there to deliver their line and advance the plot um and i i'm I'm kind of been pondering on this the last few days uh having watched both movies um within the span of 24 hours um could you take the red letter media star wars review that that challenge where you ask like describe a character without stating what they wear what they look like what they do for a living uh and and can you like accurately describe these characters, and then look at all these superhero movies and apply that same rule, and then say, "All right, go." And I feel like I can get more mileage out of Zack Snyder's stuff than I can uh, Kevin Feige's.
0: Yeah. Well, again, and it just goes back to, to to compare to Marvel. It's like it's just a difference in approach, and that's why I think the DCU works best when it's trying to be a rebuttal instead of a copy. And I think DC is hopefully getting that memo now. And that's why they're doubling down on the multiverse. Uh, I don't know if, uh, I, th- I think I've talked to you both about it, but like the CW's crisis on infinite earths event they did last year, uh, it was cornball and it was a lot of fun. And they actually had Ezra Miller show up as movie flash for a scene. So like, uh, they, they, they did it, <laughs> you know, they really, and that's crazy. And, uh, I think they just should continue with that path. And I, I sincerely hope This is enough of a success where they just give Zack Snyder the keys to the HBO Max continuity and let him do whatever he wants on HBO Max, because they've already said the Robert Pattinson, Matt Reeves Batman movie coming out is not going to be tied to anything. Uh, So so I I think people can get it. I think audiences. um, I, I don't think we're alone in having Marvel fatigue. I think a lot of people are starting to the novelty of that has worn off and they're kind of okay with having just good movies, even if they're not connected to anything. And DC should capitalize on that.
1: I agree. I, I I feel like that's starting to, like, spread further out into Star Wars and anything mm-hmm. else that has, like, a pop culture hold. Um, if it's pop culture, then, like, uh, there's a movie every year, and I just don't want that.
2: Uh, I think that also they were... I, I don't know if it was... this was a part of the original Snyder vision, but, like, they the language used is like they use the word like uh, you know dark side conquered all these universes the multiverse and, right. and the, like that language is in this movie which which I, I don't you know i don't know what that's indicative of if that was the original vision just like we're going to explore this or if that's just something that was added post hoc but like i think it's interesting um which i think like i, I understand that marvel's doing that too and I, I think i i think it's less a rebuttal more like to a certain extent you have to do that in comic book movies because you sort of need a reset. That's how comic books are. Continuities are constantly shifting. And if you want to have fresh storylines or or, or refresh takes on characters or even new actors, you sort of need that mechanism in place.
0: Oh, right. And that was actually, so Snyder had like a five installment plan. This is installment three. Uh, And at the end of his fifth installment, he said, and then they would have to reboot because that would be sort of the end of mine. Um, And when I say rebuttal, I mean just like the nature of the universe was – that was like Snyder and even Chris Nolan because he was in on the ground floor of this. That was how they thought they could – maneuver the landscape because otherwise they would just be endlessly competing with Marvel, which is accurate. And and that's, I think, a reason Justice League 2017 fell so flat is because they were just trying to basically speed up the timeline and get to where the Avengers were after like five years or however long, you know? And to your point too with Sam about the language used, like I was legitimately shocked to see them talk about the anti-life equation and all this like crazy <laughs> stuff. And it's crazy that Snyder has like he does these deep pulls because when you see an interview with Snyder, he, he can come across as like kind of a meathead. And it's like, no, this dude knows what he's talking about.
2: <laughs> Darkseid's not in this movie a lot. No. I mean, he, but to, to compare to Marvel again, I feel like I understand Darkseid's motivations in this sort of continuity more than I sort of understand Thanos' motivations. Um, cause in, in the MCU, they took out the whole, like Thanos's obsession with death and stuff and just sort of was like, yeah, i it, 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 it's too crowded. It's um, too dark. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the obvious plot hole with Thanos's motivation is, um, if he has the infinity stones, why doesn't he just make more resources? Why does he have to do genocide?
2: Yeah. It's, <laughs> it, 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 but like dark side has like, he wants this equation. Yeah. Um,
1: the dude's a math nerd. He just really likes conquering. <laughs>
2: I heard it in the second movie. Ben Affleck was really pushing for Matt Damon to discover the anti-life equation on a chalkboard at MIT.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually want to talk about Steppenwolf a little bit because I thought Steppenwolf could have very easily just been a generic CGI character. Bad guy. And I think a lot of people would argue that. But I really liked Steppenwolf. I thought he actually had like a decent amount of depth. Uh, because he he's like kind of pathetic, you know. He just wants yeah. to please Dark Side, get back in his good graces, and he acts like almost like a beaten dog. Like when he fights, he's so feral and ferocious. But then the one time they actually have a dialogue exchange, uh Steppenwolf strips naked and like practically shows his tummy in submission. Like he <sighs> kneels down, he averts his gaze. Like and I was like, oh man, this guy like he's pathetic yeah. like, like
1: the dynamics between the two are interesting and i think worthy of exploration yeah um i i i've been thinking more and more about uh the, the cgi aspect of it though and i i do kind of wish that there was a little bit less cg in this movie uh beginning with those two characters but the uh, the the way that their dynamic is together i agree is is very interesting and it was a welcome addition to the film i'm like I, why'd you cut that
0: right and it, it like it, it makes you wonder too if like man if steppenwolf is this capable and this powerful and he is like that scared of dark side like well how does that bode for when inevitably the the league would have to fight dark side right and that's what we see in nightmare we see the dark side has invaded and it, it went about as well as you know you think it would
2: yeah I, I agree i like i like the sort of that dynamic i like the desaad stuff i wish mm-hmm. the, I, I like i feel like you could have had desaad show up in not just molten Gooby whatever metal, metal yeah <laughs> goopy metal and and like just have them talk to dark side that way but but i you know um it, it i i do like that the mother boxes have basically what is a skype feature it's just <laughs> yeah,
0: it's actually blue jeans. Um,
2: <laughs> I I I, I, do, I do think it was weird. I, I immediately was texting with our friend Matt Rayo about him. Uh, you know, uh, he in that scene where he talks to Darkseid, he gets progressively more naked every cut. You know, it's just polite. When I walk into a room with my boss, I immediately take my shirt off. That's right, that's right. just hey, what's up?
0: And just avert your gaze, looking down at the ground.
2: I do like his little spider friend. That that that's you know. he's he's got a tiny spider friend oh yeah
0: I like that too yeah Uh, and I actually liked the armor I thought it was cool like seeing it in motion I like a lot of people when they released that first picture I think Mike wasn't it you said something it looks like the thing they put on the side of a graphics card
1: (laughs) yes yeah yeah it it looks exactly like a good old uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a heat sink for all of the combat that's going to happen there right. boys and,
0: and and it just looks like you know that first still they released a steppenwolf it looked like the kind of thing they would release to go like look at what you can do with this card uh but yeah. seeing him in motion i thought was kind of cool i thought it was cool how like the spines of his armor moved um I, yeah i thought he looked good and he looked uh i thought it was cool they made him look less humanoid
2: yeah i agree it, it, like it, previous steppenwolf just looked like a you know a dude, a yeah. guy with a skin condition. Like it wasn't like yeah. Um, uh, that that suit's got to be nightmare on upholstery. Is all I was thinking.
0: <laughs> That's why. Oh, I mean, really? He can,
1: anything
2: he
0: can take it off with his mind, like we saw. I also so this is. I, I, I know I said at the top of the show I don't want to like talk about Marvel too much, but one thought did occur to me when I was watching this, and um, so for the first third of the movie, it's essentially Steppenwolf collecting the MacGuffin boxes and just decimating everyone in his way and this would have come out two years before Infinity War and I just couldn't help but think like man if Warner Brothers just couldn't if if they could have just gotten out of their own way for the majority of the casual audiences the comparison would have been inevitable they would have been watching Thanos do the thing in Infinity War and going like oh it's just like Steppenwolf
1: I feel very strongly that uh, had this movie come out in 2017 rather than Joss Whedon's movie, uh, it it would definitely have one-upped Infinity War and Endgame uh, in a single film. Uh,
0: I mean, yeah, I think... See, it's, I like Infinity War, but, like, I really liked this movie, too. Sorry, Sam, what were you going to say?
2: So, I watched this movie in two parts. Like, I, I, I did not watch this all in one night. Um, I think if this was theatrically released as a four-hour movie, like, the intention was, you said, like, we're going to release it 4 hours with an intermission with some music playing in between. I don't think I would have done that. Well, no, I would have done that. I'm, I'm Are you uh, kidding? You know, I, I I would I would, I would the I, entire <laughs> point
1: just became unravelled. Yeah.
2: yeah, no, I I, was, I I I would you know, I, I, but I think I would have a much different opinion if I was in a movie theater for 4 hours watching this movie rather than being able to like watch half of it, chill and and and, and think about it and then watch another half of it. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a very different experience. And I honestly don't know how I would have felt about that now.
1: It is a different experience for sure. And I think this is like, this is definitely getting into the conversation about, you know, the way that we, we are uh, experiencing film and television. And uh, I've seen a few people talk about the way that uh, this is an example of a film that kind of blurs the lines. It was released on HBO max, you know, there was talk of it being like a four-part miniseries, I think. Yeah. And um, so, you know, is it a film? Is it a TV show? Is it a miniseries? Like, we're we're kind of getting to a point I feel like where that distinction really doesn't matter so much anymore. Um, and I, I, but one of the things that this film did leave me with was a kind of desire to see more of that, uh, not from like DC specifically. But just in general, like, if, if, if someone has a story to tell and it takes four hours, then I really hope they get the opportunity to tell their story. Um, and, you know, maybe I sit down and watch that hour by hour. Crafting the pacing for that is probably a monumental challenge. Though, I guess if you approach it kind of like prestige TV, it may not be. Though, um, I just feel like there's there's a... Uh, a place for that long form cinema and a way to experience it maybe it's at home maybe it's at a theater with an intermission or two or three you know um it's the the presentation is just as important as the piece itself and in that respect
0: yeah i agree and and my initial thought was I kind of wished he at first HBO still would have released it in the 4 1-hour chunks like they planned but I think ultimately this way works just fine because it is at home on streaming you can stop it and start it whenever you want and on top of that the movie is divided in seven parts each with their own title card so it's very clear when you can like take a break
1: and and I did the same thing like I watched the first half uh in the morning I watched the second half in the evening it, it it's it's kind of funny to me and I'm going to go back to WandaVision for a second because there was a lot of uh Uh, articles around the web about how WandaVision is very Lynchian because of because of things but then (laughs) I saw an article that compared the way that Snack Snyder's Justice League blurs the lines between film and uh, television uh, in a similar way that David Lynch did just that with Twin Peaks The Return and 18 hour film or an 18 episode season of a TV show, depending on your perspective and how you look at it. That is true. (laughs) But the former with WandaVision is nowhere near true, Um, which is interesting. Um, But no, I just, I I, thinking of those two things, an 18 hour movie uh, split up into hours or, you know, if you binge it, maybe four hours, whatever, Um, and, or a four hour movie or a five hour movie, whatever. Um, I, I, I still feel very strongly Like there's a place for those things and I really want to see more of it.
2: I think we're going to just because studios are realizing, well, with COVID-19 you have to, and, and two, you can make money off something structured like that instead of having, you know, instead of having two movies where people are talking about it for, a year or two, or however long the break is between, you can have this on a streaming service and sort of make up whatever box office numbers you want. Right. And just have it in the yeah. conversation for an entire year.
1: Yeah, and I and I think also very strongly on the opposite end of that. Like, I, I I'm just kind of seeing like the the lines blurred between how we describe these pieces of media, and then also thinking about short films. And, you know, if it's not 90 hours, not 90 hours, gosh, what what <laughs> hell, of, hell of a movie is that? Matt um, Reeves'
2: Batman is, is, a, is a week-long experience. <laughs> 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 it's a, you know, um,
0: but, and most of it's just like Batman in traffic and stuff.
1: Yeah, real-time suiting up. <laughs> if, 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 a, if a movie is shorter than 90 minutes, you know, it's a short film, or if a movie is 18 hours – um. I don't know. I just like the the blurred line between cinema or film and television. I also kind of want to see that on the opposite end with uh, regards to short films. Like, re- like it's not about going and like spending your money and expecting to be uh, expecting to be able to turn off your brain for you know a, a certain amount of dollars per hour, but more of like a quality of entertainment. Was it a like a, a high quality twenty minutes? Versus you know a potential low quality three hours, um, I just I just feel like that like the distinctions between these uh, the these short film long form film document you know uh, 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 television all those things are like blurring to a degree where it's like, we, we could just like revert back to just calling it all film. I like the
2: constraint of a feature length movie. I I like Ooh. you know I I think I think to some extent that building a story and, 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 and sort of having the arc of the movie, it, you know, complete in, in that, whatever, 90 minutes, two hours, what it, it uh, that you have is sometimes useful. And I think that some, I think if you give, I, I think sometimes if you have a lot of time, the story can get very meandering and I think there's a lot of directors and, and writers who, if given that sort of opportunity to do something in, in, in I think it, re, I think it presents a new challenge in that realizing that I, I do, I, I do genuinely think not to sound like, you know, Scorsese here, but I do think that like some things belong in that feature structure, but, but I, I, I do think comic book movies in general are, are, don't necessarily need to fit those constraints because comics by their very nature are episodic right. and, and intertwined and sort of exist. in like, you know, you can have one storyline over multiple different books um, and multiple different imprints and, 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 and stuff. So it's with well, different writers. So, so I think that this sort of new model naturally lends its, uh, Comic book movies and superhero movies naturally lend themselves to something like that. Um, And I think Star Wars is sort of in a similar boat to to talk about Disney a little bit, but in that Star Wars has always existed as a multimedia thing. Like there was always an extended universe in novels, comic books, um, even to a certain extent, like the toys and action figures sort of fit into that. So I think that this new modality of of we don't need to limit ourselves to things that are released in the box office or things that are on uh, uh, TV shows. I, I agree with that but i don't think that should be a universal thing
1: i don't think it really can be in the modern landscape because the the first and foremost requirement for any of these things to exist is some promise of a return uh a financial return so like you know, chances are that you know if it if if you can calculate a budget for a 90 minute film and you know you're going to make a profit on that then that'll definitely get made. But an auteur wanting to make a an 18-hour epic is a significantly larger mountain to climb, uh, not only for the production side of it, but now also for, like, you know, is it worth the 18 hours? Um, even though, like, I want to see more of that, I, I, I guess I should preface that with, I want to see more of it that's done well or so horrifyingly bad that it's <laughs> worth the 18 hours.
0: Well, and that's why Nancy Nancy
2: Myers is (laughs) for
0: go ahead. Just just get it. Nancy
1: Myers is
2: Nancy Myers is 14 hours in upstate New York. Just 14 hours (laughs) of her and of of, of just white people in the Hamptons. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And, and, you know, this is like we kind of talked about this in our Marvel episode, so I don't think we need to spend much more time on it. But I do think. Uh, this is something where streaming could actually fill a void in a a good and meaningful way instead of just transitioning to take over all media landscape, right? Where we could get again, like the Snyder, HBO max continuity, or they could get on Disney plus they have all these shows that are just like fleshing out characters that realistically wouldn't get their own movie because it's not going to see as big of a return or whatever. So I think there is, you know, a place where this could work in our current media hellscape. I just think, um, like you said with Sam, there's always going to be a desire to get a return. Uh, And so the, the executives are always going to be more eager to maximize that instead of, you know, the artistic merits of exploring interesting stories. Um, But let's get back to the Snyder cut here because we should wrap up the suite. And I have one very quick point I want to make. The four by three aspect ratio is very cool. And I liked it a lot. Uh, And the last thing I want to say is the release, the Snyder cut movement itself Uh, I think is good. I know there's some members of the movement that could be like kind of obnoxious on Twitter, but I think that is the minority. Uh, I think as a whole, what they did is extremely cool. I think we need to normalize yelling at the biggest companies in the world until they give us what we want. Uh, and like we said at the top of the show, the fact that it, it only took four years to get this movie is actually amazing. <laughs> like that is really not that long of a time. And so the fact that the release, the Snyder cut folks managed to keep the pressure on Warner brothers and Zach himself helped them. Uh, I think that kicks ass. Honestly, I think that's extremely good.
2: Yeah. I also think the fact that it was, that that it was good. Like this was a, right. like, this was, this was better than the Whedon version and people like it, it, it is, is really a good, good thing for, future sort of productions of, of like, Hey, sometimes it does make sense to, to, uh, if, if, if everyone is yelling at you that, Hey, we want a better version of this. Right. That, and, and, and it does pan out to be better. I don't know by what metric you can judge the success of the Snyder cut, because I really just don't understand streaming, but like, well,
1: and the numbers are never transparent for like any yeah. streaming platform. And, and, and I feel like when you talk about judging success, um, I, I always look at that more of like a subjective response to you know uh, you know an, a piece of art than a financial piece because that's just how I'm wired so um, the the success of it is that to me that you know people watched it and enjoyed it and and personally I watched it and enjoyed it when most of the time I feel a little exhausted by superhero movies
0: I've seen some hand-wringing
1: about how like Warner brothers doing this just caves
0: to like toxic fandoms. But, um, again, with, with the exception of some, uh, uh, some instances, I just don't really buy into this concept that the Snyder cut fandom is any more toxic than literally any other fandom, be it Marvel, be it politics, right? Like I, I just don't accept it. And, uh, the Snyder cut, part of the reason they were so successful, the release, the Snyder cut movement is because they early on, uh, tied, Basically, every one of their PR uh, events to raise money for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So they've raised like a lot of money for a noble cause as well. So it, it isn't just people screaming on Twitter. So I, I don't really buy into this idea that it's like it's it's going to be bad for the media landscape because uh, there was an article in Polygon, and I don't want to uh, dogpile this person, but uh, just to have like a tangible thing to point to. And one of the points they made is it's going to encourage studios to not take creative risks. But this was the creative risk, right? Like letting Snyder yeah. come back and do this and have a four hour long superhero movie is a much more creative risk than uh, just trying to continue on competing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Also, I don't know what gives people the idea that
1: these big studios are really interested in taking creative risks. Well, no, they aren't. They they absolutely aren't. And, and, and I think that. I think that like any executive that would happen to stumble on this and think like oh what will we do like no you absolutely do not take any risks whatsoever it it is purely financial analysis right. and marketing analysis to know will this movie sell and what can we do with focus groups in order to like appease everybody in that group in order to make it sell right
0: and that's not to say blockbuster movies can't have artistic merit but the only time like the only instance in recent memory I can think of Warner Brothers taking a risk would be like making a Christopher Nolan movie and that is not a risk anymore (laughs) right like when you've made a Batman trilogy like you've made it you're no longer a risk you're Christopher Nolan so don't I I feel like that's like a
1: a sliding scale for like every like uh, budding creator anybody that's you know an artist that's like getting their start like there was a point where Christopher Nolan didn't have the clout um and that's that you know there's there's your risk uh this there's new guy on the block and you know is he good or is he not will he sell um and so there's uh a point then which where like you know they're now a household name so it becomes much less of a risk
2: wasn't the conversation around like wonder woman like wow this is going to be a big this is a big swing like wonder woman leading a movie like are we gonna um and, and i think there there's still this attitude that that comic book movies are like well you know can we get a mainstream audience for this and sort of just like well no i mean that is the mainstream audience now is right. like these are the movies people are taking their kids to these are the movies like i don't even i don't think you can think of them as like genre films anymore because they're just so ubiquitous
1: yeah i
0: agree or, or i would say they are their own genre now it is the superhero genre and you're going to take your family to go see the new superhero movie.
2: Yeah. But I mean, there was, there that was like when Batman returns, like, or, or the, the, or, or, or the Val Kilmer Batman's, um, it came out. I think people very much like, were not aware of like, it was still in the early days of, um, uh, you know, people thought, thought of Tim Burton as this animation guy. Mm-hmm. And, 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 Oh, he's doing inter- And, and, and that was like an interesting movie that you took that, 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 but I think was very much received as, Oh, well, this is a Tim Burton thing, his take on Batman and not necessarily that this is a superhero movie. And that's, you know, it fits like, I think if you looked at, I, I guess I'm agreeing with you, Roman is, is that they are a genre in and of themselves. But like, if you looked at them in the past, like, the the Christopher Reeves Superman and and those Batman movies I don't think you could put them in the same realm of sort of these big but now it's sort of been expected that these are going to be huge big releases that everybody's going to be talking about and everybody's going to see
1: I I think that like mm-hmm. ties back to again like the, it's the historical context right like mm-hmm. back to like an individual creator starting out fresh that is the genre starting out fresh um, we see the same thing with, like, Dark Souls was a big hit and has spurred an entire genre bearing its namesake. Um, and and so now there's also a, a, a group of people who are diehards for that type of gameplay in a video game. Um, it seems to be the natural progression for things that hit that that nerve for pop culture popularity. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so... You can start to trace when it start when when it when it becomes uh, you know a thing of its own to being this overarching genre or bigger concept.
0: Right. I think we have to put a pin in this because uh, I I am in agreement with you guys. I think much like you know comic books are really one of two American art forms. The comic book genre is a new genre of movie we've seen and I can only think of a few examples of movies I would say actually break that mold but even wildly different movies like the Snyder cut and say the Avengers I would still maybe put those in the same genre they're just you know subgenres within a genre I guess
1: Yeah I think you can you can classify and describe or um like it's it's like the animal kingdom, right? You can just keep classifying down it. and down and down and down and down and down to the point where, like, okay, yeah, each each one is now their own individual species. Uh, to, to put it in a very lame and not at all scientific way, <laughs> but um, you 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 can you can continue to like define these things to like their absolute atoms.
0: Well, let's move on to the sour. <laughs> And so admittedly, I'm really movie suck. <laughs> I'm
1: just kidding. I'm,
0: I'm, just I'm kidding. curious to hear, like, with Sam, your takes from a DC fan. And Mike, your takes from like someone who isn't as much. Because you know, I'm gonna be honest. I I liked this movie. I don't really have a lot of critiques of it, uh, but I also know I'm I'm incredibly uh partial. I was really excited for the Snyder cut. Uh, I do like Batman versus Superman. I like Batfleck, and i uh, like the swing Snyder was taken. Uh, one thing I will say is um, well, like we've already talked about, I mean, this movie's long. It's four hours long and I'm not really sure how it could have been cut down. I think there's like maybe a half hour of fluff that could have been cut down. So you're looking at three and a half hours, which is s- still pretty long. Um, and there's just like no editor that could make that work. And on top of that, the fact that Joss Whedon wanted to like reshoot a lot. But even if he didn't want to reshoot a lot, I think he just it was a losing battle. Um, And I think maybe you could argue that that's like a fundamental flaw in Snyder's storytelling, because I do think a lot of his movies tend to uh, run a little long and I don't know if he just needs to hire a story editor he works really well with or what. Um, I'm a little more forgiving of the Snyder cut for it. Cause it is like a director's cut. Right. And, and when like a director's cut has scenes that I'm kind of like, well, they could have cut that. I'm like, well, whatever. That's kind of what I signed up for. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just think maybe that's a, a, a larger problem outside of his work on this movie.
2: It's hard to, to, you know, say that what, what you could have cut out of cause, cause it. Cause three and a half hours and four hours is like at that point, like that's such a granular difference that like, I really, you know, I'm I'm not going to complain because if you're in it, you're in it. I feel like
0: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like three and a half to four, if we're still like, like to go back to your hypothetical about if this had come out in theaters, I think that's a big difference
2: no I agree there but I think in this context of like it's going to streaming and he right. knew that it was going to streaming I I think had to have when they were reshooting
0: right and I agree and again this is a director's cut so like fine sure we're sure put in the you know the two minute sequence where uh, some Icelandic women are singing a folk tale fo- a folk tune yeah, cre- to Aquaman like, cre-
2: creepily sn- <laughs> I did think that scene was weird just like the, the you know creepily sniffing his uh sweater which oh, is like
0: extremely weird but you know sorry
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's like a lot of like we like like uh you know I think my biggest complaint about the Snyder Cut is I I think the depiction of the Flash is better in that they utilize him more and 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 he's let, like in the in the in the Whedon version he was hesitant to like fight the bad guys and Batman had to give him that speech about like just focus on saving one person and it's like a, a, and we have him as a little bit more competent but also like Ezra Miller is still very much like. Um, comic relief.
1: I think it works better with Snyder's version because in uh, I, I feel like each character still has moments where, like, okay, they the way their characters are and the um, you know, their nature uh has like this interaction that is funny because you know, the thing they said, but it's not a quip. It's not right. um, you know, you're not a vehicle for delivering this this funny joke that the, the screenwriter wrote, um, there's something in your character that made you say this, and because it was sarcastic uh, and true to your character, it was funny. Um, every character has that moment still, but I, I feel like in, in in Joss Whedon's version of this film, um, Ezra Miller, you know, it was still very much the comic relief, but, like, drowned by everybody else also filling that role when you know, Joss wanted him to fill that role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this, I feel like it's a little bit more acceptable. He's, he's you know, he's he, uh, kind of going back to that whole red letter media character thing again, right? If I were to describe all of these characters, and I think, you know, the Flash would be more of this, like, um, inexperienced but uh, enthusiastic and uh, quirky but, like, happy-go-lucky kind of dude... But he's also like, you know, he, he obviously does have his uh, his issues that he faces with his dad uh, and, and wants yeah. to get his dad out of jail. So there's nuance there. But then um, I, I just I just didn't feel like he was strictly comic relief, but that was more of how his character was rounded. From what I've seen, and, and it was Sam, chime in here because I know you're a Flash fan. I've seen some
0: Flash fans have like a, a bit of a lukewarm reaction because... Uh, uh, Ezra Miller's flash is pretty different than comic flash, but I, I think it works from the perspective of this adaptation, needing to add some dynamic range to the group. Uh, and I also think like pairing him up with cyborg was a good call because, you know, the flash and green lantern are historically real good buddies, but since there is no green lantern, having him play off someone else and the fact that they're two young guys. So they would, you know, kind of naturally gravitate towards one another in this setting.
2: I think the complaints I, I mean a lot of the conversation is like oh he just doesn't seem like Barry Allen in the comics which I think he's there I think they sort of I mean B- Barry Allen in the comics is a little lighthearted and quippy and stuff but but like I, I think by and large he's usually presented as like an older character that's sort of mm-hmm. a peer of of Batman and and Superman and and Wonder Woman Aquaman and man and that like he's and and here he's sort of Yeah, like you said, presented as a younger guy and just getting his his start. Yeah. uh, On things, I also think that like you know he is one of the pound for pound one of the most like powerful members of the Justice League. The ability to sort of just um turn back time, uh, turn back time, and 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 like and and like at the beginning we saw that scene with that was Iris, right? That was Iris. Yeah. uh, I
1: think so. Yeah. Um
2: you know that he can stop time and sort of just do adjust whatever he wants i think i understand why you can't it's hard to have that as a care as a mechanic because you can just sort of like hand wave a lot of like they had to have him trip at one point they had to otherwise the yeah um is so it's so it's it, it i get some of the choices made and i understand but 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 it, you know it's not too, it's not if you were hoping for a depiction of Barry Allen on screen, it's probably not what you wanted. Okay, um, interesting. I, I, I'm I, it, like, like, it's good. I like, it. I like, I, I actually really like Ezra Miller's Flash. I do like the effect they use for super speed. I do like the sort of movements and stuff. I don't like that they make him very like sort of fragile, um, which is not sort of the impression of the Flash's powers that I get in the comics, but. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe they had to depower him a little bit because Flash is, I mean, that's DC's thing is like, you know, I know, a, uh, I think a common complaint or criticism people have towards DC's, it really does feel like it, they're all just gods, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think the best DC stuff is when they embrace that concept and they go, yeah, I mean, like our characters are crazy powerful, but like, like part of the reason I like Superman is because I think it's like very endearing that um, this guy is, is almost literally a god and wants nothing more than to be human. Uh, and yeah. I think that's maybe something the Snyder stuff doesn't do as well. I I think like, I mean, we're never going to see the adaptation of Superman I would want to see on the big screen because like my version of Superman ends with him, Lex Luthor, helping the gov- US government assassinate him because I think the two directions you go with Superman are he either becomes like a totalitarian or, uh he, you know, he runs up against the powers of that actually run the world because like. Truth, justice, in the American way is actually n- like those; those things are not compatible.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I, I, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think, I agree with you. I always want to see the Homelander take of Superman.
0: Yeah, well, and that's what Injustice did well. And what I would want to see is actually like my first installment of Superman would be like there is no big bad, and it's more like tying back to his roots, where he's going up against like crooked landlords and stuff. Like he's just helping the everyman and then as like the world learns about him and he starts gaining like notoriety he you know the threats escalate and escalate to the point where he gets on the map of lex Luthor
2: and the u.s government i do want to see him disintegrate a car thief <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, like, you know, maybe like at first the u.s government is like oh we can use this guy and then once they quickly discover superman uh is not here to play ball in that way they're kind of like oh well then they're scared of him right uh and i i think maybe like I don't know. I, I think the characterization of like his relationship with his father and the Snyder stuff is weird that Kevin Costner's human father. I think Kevin Costner should have just like died of disease or something like not even Superman could prevent. Right. Because that could in itself could be a humbling moment for Superman to learn. Oh, I can't stop everything. I can't do everything. And even though the world might view him as this all powerful being, he knows he's not. I don't know. I'm kind of this is kind of tangential.
2: They should have brought back the Martha stuff. <laughs> well i mean they did actually i mean, if, 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 i don't know if you guys saw the credits but um it's actually um silas martha stone <laughs> it's, it's, it's the character's it's, full it's name the,
0: uh, cyborg's dad's
2: name <laughs> yeah they all they, they all have a martha
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good well i i feel like um there's a good chunk of that uh that you know responds to to barry allen's interpretation in this film um it's kind of like present in a lot of the response to comic book movies in general, or like Star Wars, or like any again anything else in that pop culture sphere, right? So, you um, everybody has a different interpretation from the book, from you know whatever the source material is that's being adapted, and uh, from uh, Justice League to like say The Shining, you know. Uh, there's there's just like always going to be that difference, uh, on screen and off, for how you perceive these characters in the source material versus the final result, and um, I, I think that, not not to say toward you, but like toward like the, the the massive amounts of fans on the internet that go crazy about that kind of stuff, uh, it's just like, you know, it is what it is. It's their interpretation, so. Um, yours is also still valid. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, there are so many different comic book iterations that these characters uh, kind of transcend being just one individual, sometimes literally from, the, like, in, in the course of a comic book run.
2: No, very much so. And their right, powers yeah. and stuff are, these aren't immutable things. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that, that that's just a small like sort of like you, you, you know, Oh, well it would have been cool to see this. It would have been cool to see this iteration, which you, you know, to certain things, it, it's, it's, you will, you'll eventually see more takes exactly. on this character. Yeah.
1: And, and even if you don't see that there might be something totally like untouched and new that you hadn't ever thought of before or hasn't been written in a comic book that, you know, comes out of the ether. And, and, and those are the things that I'm really excited about. Um, when that adaptions start to, you know, make their way towards being uh, finished and released for public viewing. Um, And, 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 and that like rabid uh, sense to like, Oh, well, it's not the character that I thought it was or that I wanted it to be kind of makes me a little sad in the sense that like, well, if you saw something that was a wholly new interpretation of it, uh, like that person couldn't get uh, that opportunity to, you know, to experience that new uh, thing and, and, you know, really, like, take it in.
0: Right. It's much more fun to see a, uh adaptation that takes big swings than it is to see something that is absolutely 100% comic accurate. Because the comic is there, right? The source material is not going anywhere. You can always go back and revisit it. My one uh, exception to that might be I do like Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Uh, it's also a flawed <laughs> movie. But, uh, I you know, I enjoy it.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, I yeah. Mean, it's
2: not a, it's not a perfect take like the the HBO Watchmen, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's a there's a joke there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Man, how do you guys feel about Martian Manhunter? Because um, I have some thoughts. I, I understand the constraints of it's sort of a tacked-on thing because the studio pushback and and, right. and it's really hard to integrate another character even with reshoots and stuff, but. It, it does seem like a waste. I, I like the end part, but I also don't understand I, I, I understand Lois' Lois Lane's significance, but it seems like that if he's aware of the, you know the the minute details of Martha Kent and Lois Lane's relationship, then that energy could have been better spent thinking about the interdimensional threat that the planet was facing.
0: <laughs> well, I think, I think um, how they could have fixed it. Cause I agree. I think that scene when he first is revealed, it was cool to see, obviously to see Martian Manhunter, but then I was like, wait, this doesn't make any sense. Like why does he Martha Kent? Uh, and I, I did like the scene with him and Batfleck at the end. Um, I just think the way they could have maybe uh, made it fit together a little smoothly is add another really brief scene that just implies that Martian Manhunter knows of the league's plan. And even though he's not ready to like join the league outright, uh, he maybe has an idea of like, okay, well, when they bring Superman back, he's not going to be right. Cause they could, you know, say something along the lines of Martian Manhunter as, you know, he's well-traveled. He, he maybe has like a better understanding of this stuff. So he knows Lois Lane needs to be in the park at that specific moment. So he does what he needs to do to get her there. Cause, uh, I think in, in Snyder's, it's a little bit more convenient for her just to be there. I know there is like they set up the fact that she goes and delivers those police officers coffee, but to have her come back out at that specific moment when she is needed, I think it's supposed to be implied that that's why Martian Manhunter did it. And maybe that's why they ultimately changed it from because I, I have to believe that was not always intended to be Martian Manhunter uh, when when when. Uh, Martha goes and talks to Lois and that's why Snyder added him there was to sort of imply that, but to make it a little bit more crystal clear, I think would have been better.
1: My, uh, my thought on it at the end, because like during the course of the film, I, I I didn't really think too much of it. It was like another comic book thing, right? (laughs) Right. But when, when, when he shows up to talk with Bruce Wayne at the end of the film, you know, I, I reflected on that and my, my like dominant thought was really like, Oh, this will be something that, comic book fans will really enjoy and i get that it's setting something up potentially you know but like what happens in this scene doesn't really seem all that important to me oh,
0: and jokes on you Mike. comic book fans don't feel joy yeah
1: uh that's good news. um anyway like the, the one thing that um that like just permeates my brain after that thought is you know where was he the whole time i know that like there was the you know he said like i wasn't ready to do, do my thing but uh, one of the things I, I find interesting about the multiverse is that all of these superheroes and godlike beings can exist in different planes of existence and different dimensions. But when you do like like the Marvel thing or like everybody's like, you know, a stone's throw away from each other, it kind of makes uh, some of the more grounded and down to earth stuff feel a little bit more uh like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel as cohesive to me um because i know that like oh yeah if like if, if there was a f- standalone flash film and i knew that superman could come over and help out then it it definitely takes away from it quite a bit i feel uh so to know that he was there and just not doing anything leaves me with the thought come on dude what are you waiting for like like get out there right like, like chop chop earth is dying
2: um my, my thing is 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 there a chance he was Martha Kent the whole time?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh man! Oh man! That that's that, the that's
1: the best alternative. That's that
0: Snyder swing, baby. I would that'd be like, sure, <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs>
0: I nursed you, Clark. <laughs> 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 oh man! Uh, yeah, I don't know, I, and, and I do think if see, I feel like this is um, I, I feel like I remember at some point. Years ago, when before this movie came out and it was still Zack Snyder's Justice League, before Whedon came in, I remember um, Zack Snyder posting something and having this hashtag that was like, unite the seven. So I think at one point he intended for everyone to have a part because uh, the missing, because there's six right now, so that seventh would either have been Martian Manhunter or it would have been Green Lantern. Um, and he has said for years that that guy, I forget the actor's name, but he, you know, he's in the Man of Steel movies and he, he shows up in Batman vs. Superman uh, as a general. And he has said he's Martian Manhunter the whole time. He has like revealed that. Uh,
2: Harry Lennox. Yes, thank
0: you. Um, but I don't know. I don't know uh, if maybe he was originally, he had intended for him to join, but he thought maybe introducing Aquaman, Cyborg and Flash was already enough and adding a fourth in there might just be too much.
2: I think the pushback was he was going to have him as John Stewart, uh, uh, Green Lantern.
1: Oh, um, okay.
2: Which I which it, I I don't understand why you would, I mean he he establishes Green Lanterns and also that's something in the Weeden cut. Green Lanterns are not as directly, I mean, but there's a Green Lantern on screen in mm. in the theatrical cut.
0: Right. I like I like how in this one when Darkseid tries to grab the ring, I thought that was
1: just a cool little moment. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a Wikipedia article about that character. Oh,
0: 100%. Oh, for sure. I guarantee that is a real lantern. <laughs> that Snyder pulled. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I... Um... It looked like Tomar Ray, but I don't think it was.
0: Shut up. <laughs> to go back to just how like long this thing is. Uh, Snyder insists that this was always his plan, to have like the third installment of his be Justice League. Uh, but... I don't know. I wouldn't be too surprised if there was a little bit of like Warner brothers kind of being like, can we get to the justice league sooner please? Uh, because I just, it, it just goes back to, there's no way to do this in under two hours. There's just not, there's no way to have this team up, make sense and give everyone their motivations. And like, you know, we talked about it a little, but like, I just really want to emphasize how dirty they did. Ray Fisher in the theatrical cut. Cause those yes. cyborg sequences are some of the best in the movie. I teared up twice at Cyborg.
2: Well, you also realize how like important of a character Cyborg right. is because half of the plot points of the movie don't happen without Cyborg facilitating
1: them. Exactly. There's definitely like such a a loss from cutting Cyborg's character arc in uh the film because not only like there's there there's such a grand emotional impact between the conflict the fam- the familial or or the Family conflict that he's experiencing mm-hmm. in the story, um, and and that you know feeds into you know, does he do it, does he not? Like, and and Joss's cut, he's just kind of moody, and you don't really get right. uh, a good perspective on why. But then when you sit down and you watch this movie, it it, it does it, it, it's kind of like an origin story, but like it it isn't exactly you know, the first adventure, right? um it is, you know, building those motivations and building this character through all of these lived experiences and in and, and overcoming that conflict with his family, uh, with his father. And without that, like the character just isn't there right. again, it's just a vehicle for the quips. Absolutely. And uh, I, I feel that like this movie is, uh, it, it is cyborgs movie uh, regardless, like it's called justice league but like those characters that have not had their own standalone film really shine in this movie and are the runaway characters.
0: I a hundred percent agree. Well, let's go to the sauce then. Uh, What are we rating it out of zero out of 10? Martha's (laughs) zero out of 10 Martha's. Uh, so look, um, like I said, I'm not sure how much this is going to move the needle for anyone who has just decided they don't like Zack Snyder. But I think if you go in with an open mind and you are a justice league fan, I think there's a lot in here that you are going to really like. And I wish this would have been an easier production for Zack Snyder from everything from the actual work he was doing to the things in his personal life. But I think the uh, community that was born of this is, is pretty beautiful. And, uh, in some ways him getting fired or leaving WB, uh, I think almost benefits this movie because he started referring to this as an Elseworlds Justice League, meaning it's, he knows it's not canon, so he can just do whatever he wants. And I, th- I think he did it. I think the man really did it. I think he made something really special. I really like this movie. I'm going to give it nine out of 10 Martha's. All right. And I just want to reiterate, let him make the HBO max DC continuity. Just give
1: him the keys to that. Cause I really want to see the nightmare movie. So, I I'm I'm not exactly a Snyder fan. Um, I I've seen Batman vs Superman and I've only seen the theatrical cut. I think there's an extended cut that I probably should watch now that I've seen this extended director's cut of uh, Justice League and I liked it. Um, But like I've mentioned, David Lynch a few times on the podcast, and there are other filmmakers like directors and 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 so on that by name like I follow them. and enjoy their work. Zach's not really one of those guys, maybe yet. I, I, again, I I can't really say, um, but this movie I liked. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it it is a long movie, but one of the things that is done has uh, reaffirmed to me that like, I don't mind that I, it it felt pretty solid all the way through and it was a fun movie. Uh, it, it, definitely did stuff that, I enjoyed and would like to see more in comic book and superhero movies Um, it felt a lot more refreshing Um, and the singular vision of Zack Snyder is you know kind of crazy and whatever but um, to see him like finally get get the opportunity to put that out there is also a uh, kind of a heartwarming thing right now for me to rate the movie on its own like no no super external bias or anything. I think I would give it an eight out of ten Martha's because it 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 kept me for four hours and when i was when I took that break in the middle of the day to uh you know just take a little bit of a break from it um especially because I had to use the restroom by god um <laughs> i Casual. I was still think i i was still think, <laughs> I was still thinking about it. Um, and, uh, the way that I've thought about this movie after watching it too, I realize is also different from the kind of like self-reflection I've had with watching other comic book superhero movies. And, um, and that, that reflection I think is more of like, I'm thinking about these characters differently. I'm thinking about the story differently, uh, in the sense that like, I don't think I would change much as a filmmaker. Right. Um, There are, there are a lot of things in there that I would change, but like the, the foundation is solid. I feel like, um, so it is definitely closer to what I want. And, uh, I would love to see more of that. And if Zack Snyder's got it in him to, you know, continue with DC, then, uh, at this point I'd say, bring it.
0: Absolutely. Well, Sam hit us with it.
2: um, So I'm on the record as not liking the Zack Snyder Batman versus Superman or the Zack Snyder Superman. Um, But if I'm just looking at this movie in a vacuum or not, not even like really in a vacuum, if I'm viewing this movie as a realization of sort of the story he set up in those, I think it's very well done and really competent. I enjoyed this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I might not agree with some of the directions the story is taking, um, but in terms of visually and in terms of, you know, good dialogue in terms of just ha- having a nice cohesive, uh, engaging story with, uh, uh, like, a, a palpable threat and understandable motivations for each of these, uh, characters. It's really well done. Um, and like, I watched all four hours of this movie. It did that. That's, uh, you know, I have uh, pandemics taken away my attention span entirely. And that that's an impressive thing. <laughs>
0: um,
2: um, uh, I'm going to give it seven out of 10 Martha's uh, cause I enjoyed the movie. I think like Mike, you said, I don't think if I was making this movie, I would have done anything differently with the setup that was there. It would have been really hard to sort it. Um, I, 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 there's things I would have liked to see that weren't in there, but I understand why they weren't. Um, so, but yeah, seven out of uh, 10 Martha's uh, it's, it's, it's my favorite Zack Snyder movie now. Um I, I it unseated, uh, the owls of Gahul.
0: <laughs> it's the guardian legend. What is it? Guardians of Gahul?
2: Legend of the Guardians, the owls of gahool yeah, yeah. But Put it's based on, on the novels name. called the guard. It's, it's <laughs> based on the novels, the Guardians of Gahul. Yeah.
0: I am going to make you a Batman versus Superman believer. I've decided that is my new life's mission. Uh, cause it. I
2: mean, I probably have to rewatch it.
0: It's good. And I, I can't wait to rewatch, uh, just honestly, this this four hour movie, I'm very excited to eventually carve out another four hours where I can rewatch it.
1: I do feel like I, I need to do the Justice League justice and watch these director's cuts of these other movies and the other movies leading up to them, because I, I do have those gaps. But um, the you know, it's to be seen if that will, you know, enhance the experience uh, of Justice League itself. And then, uh, you know, are those other movies also just as good? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. The movies to come, hopefully even better.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it will. The ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman is, is very cool. Um, and you know, I will say, uh, you know, just to practice what I preach here a little bit, I don't think it's fair to like tell someone like, Oh, well if you don't like Batman versus Superman, just wait. Cause that gets explained in justice league. Cause like, right. That, that like sucks. <laughs> you need to have a good movie in your movie. Um, but I would say I, I did like Batman versus Superman uh, even with its flaws seeing it in theaters I thought it was really weird and I definitely understood why it's not everyone's bag but it is cool and like I said at the top I think history is going to be pretty kind to it and I think we're already seeing that well Sam thanks so much for coming on uh, if people want to find more of you where can they
2: um, I guess I have a Twitter uh, Hobbs and Shawarma is at Hobbs and Shawarma is my Twitter um, I think I have like seventy followers, so hopefully
0: let's get that to seventy-five. Let's get you the surprise mechanics book. Yeah, actually, if you could send some of those to our Twitter account, that'd be awesome. Yeah,
2: you know, for sure. It's
1: a, it's a follower share system <laughs> what we're trying to establish. I
2: think I think the Venn diagram of our Twitter followers is probably closer to a circle than anything. One thing I will say is I've, I, I wanted to add on that I watched one Wonder Woman movie, the the first one, um, and didn't watch the others, and I also think that Zack Snyder did a better job of utilizing Gal Gadot than Joss Whedon mm-hmm. um uh, and I don't I forgot to touch on that but
0: yeah I agree and, and that it's kind of wild because that's like Joss Whedon's thing right Is like having like strong women characters and and uh he,
2: he, I think we've discovered that that is not Joss Whedon's thing right
0: well that's, that's <laughs> I mean, this, this is in massive quotes that's his thing like supposedly but he like he made a like a uh a sexualized mommy figure, like he really did, did her just insane. uh What he did to Wonder Woman compared to well, this. I Wonder mean, I
2: think, I think, I think uh, it, it, realizing the limitations of, of Gal Gadot as an actress is very important. Uh, as mm-hmm. an actor, is, is 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 very important. I think Zack Snyder does a good job of that. I mean, Ben Affleck is a good Batman because you can basically have Batman like he doesn't need to have that many a huge range of emotions. Uh, like th- these characters don't necessarily need to, to, I, 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 I guess the, the, I guess the, the, the mean way of putting it is Zack Snyder uh, realized that Gal Gadot cannot act very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: And on top of that, it's just like insanely, it's way cooler to see Wonder Woman chop Steppenwolf's head off than
1: to not see that.
2: Yeah, that, that was pretty sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, sorry, that's the, end of, that's the end of my thoughts. <laughs> All
1: right. Uh, do I need to watch the whole animated series to understand this? Yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm glad I think
2: you, you should watch the DC animated movies. Those
1: are actually really, really good. Really good. Uh, I kinda, I've heard those are DC. Yeah, With well, Sam and I have talked
0: about that. I actually kind of thought about that might be a fun episode down the line, Um, because I think anyone who likes the MCU or likes the DCEU is sleeping on those potentially, and those... Are really good but we should definitely put a pin in that and potentially save that leave them one and more you know that's podcasting 101
2: yeah oh crap i didn't get to use any of my catchphrases
0: oh do you want to lay one on us real quick
2: i mean the top of my list is kachow but that that's just okay. lightning the queen's catchphrase from cars um and the Whoa. second one is um uh jet fuel can't melt steel dreams <laughs>
0: Which (laughs) I would love to imagine the context you thought you could
2: use No, I couldn't really (laughs) squeeze that one in.
0: Thanks for listening. And um, we will be back next week with more video games. Mike, we're done. The superhero spectacular is over.
1: I heard they're never making another superhero film again, so I guess this is where the train stops. Uh,
0: That's it. I, I trust that. Wherever you heard that from, I trust it. Bye, everybody.
1: Later, boys.